Well, friends, some things are too important to keep quiet. Uh, Like the surf lifesaver who sees a shark in the water at the beach. They're hardly going to sit on that news, are they? But it's not just bad news that sometimes has to be told. So, for example, today I have some great news that you just need to know. Today is a great day for us. I've got important news. It is far too important to keep me quiet. I have to tell you, just in case you didn't know. The new Superman movie is out. Hit the cinemas on Thursday and it's fantastic. (laughs) Now look, as important as the new Superman movie is, it really is nothing, is it, compared to the resurrection of Christ. Jesus' resurrection is news that simply has to be told. As Matthew records the events of that first Easter Sunday, he's doing more than simply letting us know that it happened. He's wanting us to see that Christ's resurrection has enormous eternal implications both for Christ himself and for every man, woman and child that will ever live and so everyone needs to know. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is way too important to keep quiet. We see this in the way that Matthew alternates between people who are doing all they can to shut this news down to those who are far more powerful And they're making sure that people do find out. We start with those who are trying to put a lid on it. The Jewish religious leaders of the day. Uh, On the Friday, if you obviously recall, they orchestrated Jesus' execution. Jesus was then buried in a tomb. But then the next day, on the Saturday, the Jewish religious leaders, they swing back into action. Like they haven't done enough already against Jesus. But they want him more than just dead and buried. They want there to be no chance that anyone will ever speak of him again. When Jesus was alive, they'd heard Jesus say that, yes, he would die, but three days later, he would come back to life. Now, the leaders don't seriously think that that's going to happen, but they're worried that some people might say that it did. So the disciples, maybe they'll come in the night or whatever and steal the body And then claim that Jesus has come back from the dead. And the leaders, they don't want that to happen. And so they arrange for some Roman soldiers to guard the tomb. Have a look at Matthew 27 and verse 62. Verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So, give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Now, look, this is a bit of overkill, if you'll pardon the pun. Uh, The disciples, they were never going to come and try and steal Jesus' body. Back in chapter 26, we're told that even before Jesus was crucified, they've already been scattered in fear. If this was a Western movie, the disciples didn't even make it to the OK Corral, let alone make a last stand, let alone stage a comeback against the might of Rome and the power of the Jews. And so from the Jewish leader's perspective, this is a job well done. One troublesome upstart from Nazareth, suitably executed. 
And now he's also securely buried. No one's going to be talking about him ever again. Or so they thought. On the Sunday, of course, all their plans begin to unravel. Because, of course, Jesus does actually rise from the dead. And this news has to get out. The disciples, for one, they have to be told. Chapter 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You've got a feel for those poor guards, haven't you? confronted with an angel of the Lord who's arrived with an earthquake, looking like lightning, blindingly brilliant, and yet for all his splendour and intimidation, this angel is, in the end, just a messenger boy. After rolling back the stone and sitting on it, he ignores the guards because he needs to talk to the women Because the news of Jesus rising from the dead, it just has to get out. The angel needs these women to go and tell the disciples. Verse 5. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you'll see him. Now I've told you. That's a stunning message, isn't it? I know you're looking for Jesus who is crucified, but he's not here. Just as he said, he's risen from the dead. Now go and tell his disciples that he's alive and he'll meet them in Galilee. To Galilee, ladies, tell the disciples and get to Galilee. Verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Imagine it. Jesus, crucified, dead and buried Jesus, now alive. And he met them physically, truly alive. And what does Jesus say to them? He tells them exactly the same thing that the angel told them. Go and tell my disciples that I'm alive and I'll meet them in Galilee. Verse 9 again. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. See, this news is so important that the disciples simply must know. The women have been told by the angel and now by the Lord Jesus himself, go and tell my disciples. The Jewish religious leaders, they tried to put a lid on it. This news is starting to break out. Notice also that both the angel and Jesus tell them to go to Galilee. Because it's going to be in Galilee that the implications of the resurrection will be spelt out what it was all for, what comes next, what are the disciples meant to do, what it all means. It'll all be made clear by Jesus in Galilee. But before that happens, the religious leaders have one more desperate throw of the dice. 
the guards go and tell the Jewish leaders all that's happened. Now, the leaders can't convince the guards that the resurrection didn't happen because they know what they saw. And so the leaders bribe them to make up a story to try and stop people believing in the news that Jesus is alive. Verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated circulated among the Jews to this very day. Now please notice that in their desperation, the chief priests and the elders have had to start the very rumour that they didn't want started. Remember they arranged for the soldiers to guard the tomb to stop the disciples stealing the body and claiming that Jesus was alive again. But here, that's precisely the rumour that they now pay people to start spreading. So they'll do anything they can to try and stop this news getting out. Didn't work too well. I mean, here we are a little under 2,000 years later and still talking about him. But before we look at the last verses of Matthew's book that tell us why we're still here talking about Jesus, we need to acknowledge that this isn't exactly the easiest thing to believe. And I get that. You know, someone coming back to life after three days, it's not exactly normal. And look, if in all honesty this is you, you know, you've got doubts about Jesus and his resurrection, can I urge you to look into whether or not this is actually plausible? Don't just go off some rumour or hearsay or whatever you'd prefer to be true. As a thinking teenager or as an adult, you owe it to yourself to investigate whether or not it's historically reasonable that Jesus of Nazareth walked out of his tomb three days dead. Because there's a lot hanging on this, as we'll see in a moment. This is something you should look into. And if you'd like to do that, why not come and chat to me over morning tea? I would love to chat and to hear what you've got to say and to help you think about all of this. Because as I said, there are massive implications that spill out to us from Christ's resurrection. From Matthew's perspective, this is news that simply must be told. The chief priests and the elders, they did all they could to stop it getting out. But the angel and Jesus himself have made sure that the disciples got told. And in Matthew's last verses, we discover that this news is so big, the whole world has to be told. And the reason the whole world has to be told is because of what the resurrection means for Jesus himself. Jesus rising from the dead means that he is the ruler of the world. Look at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is what the resurrection means for Jesus. He's been installed as the ruler of the world. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given 
to me. It's hard to think of something you could say to inflate your own self-importance more than this. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a world-renowned Swedish soccer player and he is very comfortable in his own skin. Uh, He is full of self-importance. Here's a couple of the things that Zlatan has said. On what he buys his wife for his birthday, Zlatan said, I buy her nothing. She already has Zlatan. (laughs) When asked on Twitter if he was human, his response was, yes, Zlatan is just a human. The same way a great white shark is just a fish. (laughs) This guy's full of himself, isn't he? And we bristle at this, don't we, you know? We don't like people thinking too highly of themselves, but friends, Jesus is dwarfing Zlatan when it comes to his own self-assessment. He can't think more highly of himself. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And you can tell. Because without any assistance, he's just strolled out of his grave. Three days dead, now he's back. Forever. Even death does what he tells it to. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. You can't point to a person. You can't point to a family. Not a town or a state. You can't point to a country or a continent that isn't under his command. All the peoples of the earth, regardless of race or gender or political persuasion, everyone falls under his authority. The rule, the power, the command of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. What the resurrection means for Jesus is that he's been put in charge of everything and of everyone. So what about for us? What does the resurrection mean for us? Well, the obvious first thing is fall into line. We've got to stop pretending that we're in charge. We've got to stop living our lives as if we call the shots. All authority has been given to Jesus. You want to know what you should be doing? Ask Jesus. He's the one in charge. How should you dress? How should you relate to your parents? How should you raise your children? What should I hope for in my job? Where should I look for fulfilment? What should you aim for in life? What thoughts should I have about that person who annoys me? Well, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. So you want to know how to live? You want to know how you must live? Fall into line with Jesus. He's the one that's been given all authority. Now, are you trying to be the captain of your own soul? Or have you surrendered to your true king? The good news is that Jesus has the authority to forgive our rebellion. As we thought about on Friday, the reason he died was to save people from their sins. When you fall into line with Christ, acknowledging your sin and pledging your obedience to him... Christ guarantees the forgiveness of God. If you haven't done that yet, do it today. But what about for those who already are his disciples? Many of us here profess to be followers 
of Christ, what does the resurrection mean for us? Well, when Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 28, he was speaking to his first disciples. And from verse 19, he spells out what his resurrection means for those who would be his disciples. And he's very clear. If he's been raised from the dead as the Lord of all, then there's really only one thing for it. Everyone, everywhere needs to be told that he's the Lord. Look at verse 18 again. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It's just the logical conclusion. If Jesus has all authority on earth, then everyone on earth needs to become his disciple. School principal. They're in charge of their school. And if a student doesn't recognise their authority, then there's trouble. The right thing, the proper thing, is that the students obey their principles. Well, Jesus rules the earth. If you don't recognise his authority, then there'll be trouble. The judgment of God is coming. The Lord Jesus will return. He will judge the living and the dead. All people for all time will give an account of themselves to this risen Christ. He's our judge. He has all authority. And so right here, right now, is a time for everyone to fall into line with Christ. The right thing, the proper thing, is that all nations become his disciples. Acknowledging him, trusting him and obeying him. Verse 19 again. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What Christ's resurrection means for the disciples of Christ is that we're to make more disciples. That's what disciples do. Because the disciples of Christ know that Christ has all the authority. He's the Lord and judge of the living and the dead. And so Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. And for us who live in this town, it means starting here in Dubbo. There's 38,000 people living in this town. Optimistically, from church numbers, there'd be between one to 2,000 Christians in Dubbo. At best, that leaves us 36,000 people who don't know Jesus as their Lord. Here at Dubbo Prezi Church, we currently have a plan to plant a new church in West Dubbo in the next three to five years. For that to happen, one of our church families needs to grow to about 240 people. Church at 9, church at 11 on a regular Sunday are currently sitting at about 180. So in three to five years, we would like one of them at least, to grow by about 60 people. 60 people out of 36,000. Maybe we're aiming too low or too slow. We're just looking for the next 60 people out of 36,000 who will join us in acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, if you're visiting from another town this morning, welcome, we're glad you're here. And you just need to think of this in terms of the town you come from or the suburb you live in. And we're all doing this because we know that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And so the right thing, the proper thing, is that people everywhere acknowledge this and that they do it now before it's too late. 
This news is so important, the whole world has to be told. So friends, as you're sitting there, I want want you to think through who in your life you can be speaking to about Christ. Come up with one or two names. Right now, just one or two people that you could speak to about the truth of Christ. Got their names in your head? Okay, now remember that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to your Lord. And so commit yourself to speaking to those people about Christ. Now, is it going to be hard? Could be. As you try and raise the topic of Jesus with people, they might glaze over or try and change the topic. You might get teased in the playground or at work. You could lose friends as you gain others. But in it all, the Lord Jesus has some wonderful words of comfort for us. Right at the end of verse 20, after announcing that he has all authority over the earth and telling his disciples to go and herald this news, he finishes with these words. At the end of verse 20, he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In all the hardships that come in making disciples of all nations and in all the joys... Christ himself, the eternal ruler of the world, he is with us to the very end. And so we go and make disciples of Christ from all nations, starting here in Dubbo. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Thank you that he has risen to rule all the earth. And Father, we pray that for each and every one of us, we would fall into line with him. We would surrender and gladly trust and acknowledge him as our Lord and as our Saviour. And Father, we ask that we might be able to speak this great news to many people so that men and women and boys and girls not just here in Dubbo but all over Australia and indeed the world they might hear and that Father by your kindness many, many, many people would believe and so enjoy the salvation that comes from surrendering to Christ our Lord and we ask it all in his name and for his sake Amen